Good evening, good evening, good evening. We are so glad that you are here uh, kicking off 2000 or 2020, our first revival night. We're going to be having uh, uh, many of these throughout 2020. Uh, next month, we're actually going to be doing a healing night, revival night, healing night at uh, the end of February. We'll let you know the date on that. And we're just going to believe God and contend for healings. Come on, signs, wonders, miracles. Come on, how many believe God still heals, right? Thank God for medicine, but, you know, we've had some, some people that... Uh, uh, medicine couldn't help him, and, and God jumped in and did. So come on, come on, we're going to believe God for that in your life as well. So uh, we'll let you know the date. Just stay tuned to that. Look on some social media. It'll be the last, uh, uh, the last Friday night of, uh, of February. And then in March, the last Friday night of March, uh, a pastor, a friend, a new acquaintance, uh, uh, Mark Francie from up in Orange County, he's going to be here with us. Uh, so we'll let you know what's going on with that. Come on, God's just doing something amazing in Southern California, and uh, we want you to be a part of that. And so uh, God is doing what he said he's going to do. He's, come on, he's, he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Come on, pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That's what he's doing. He's still, that's his game plan. That's his game plan. He's still doing it. I, I love what it says in the book of Acts, when uh, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. You know, you know, and, and man, they, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they started speaking in tongues, and, and the religious folks there were going, "Man, y'all drunk with wine." They said, "Man, it's nine o'clock in the morning, and, and this isn't what you think." And Peter stands up, right? Peter used to be a, Peter was a denier of Jesus. He, you know, turned his back, the roaster crowing, and all that kind of thing. And, and, and man, he got restored. And he, it's amazing how quickly God can restore you. So you might think God can't use you. Well, well, you didn't deny Jesus probably three times, and and and. And some crazy stuff. Uh, and this brother got restored real quick. And, and the Holy Spirit filled him. And, and he was speaking in other tongues. And, and he got up there and he just said to all these religious people, he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amplified Bible actually says this is the beginning of that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, what was beginning is going to keep on beginning, going to keep on happening. This is the beginning of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Come on. He's still doing that, guys. Come on. Come on. He's still doing that today. And, and we're, we're participants of that. And that, that is how the early church got birthed. Not just, not just thank God for salvation. Man, we need to be saved to go to heaven. But thank God we need some power on the earth to do kingdom business. To rule and to reign. Have Jesus live in our life and, and to move and, and, and to help us to be all he wants us to be. And so I want to encourage you tonight. Just kind of lean into the word. Lean into, just be open to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about as, as, as Peter starts, keeps on preaching. He says in Acts Acts 3.19, he says that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. But just tonight, come on, you could be weary and broken down and beat up by life and, and crushed by some crazy stuff that's happened. But man, you just get refreshed and all of a sudden you get new vision, you hear new things. Come on, new dreams come alive and God just moves things out of the way, moves things in your life. Come on, new relationship. Amen, everybody. You know, you just get in the right room. You know, so how this all came about, how, how Dave came here tonight, I'm just going to back up and just tell you a little bit how this came about, because I, I like, maybe you're interested in the story, I'm, 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 I like the story, and, and so uh, a couple of years ago, I actually heard Dave up, at, uh, up in, I think the first time I heard, I think it might have been in Las Vegas, did you, did you, I think with the ark over there, I'm not sure if that was the place that you preached, but I heard him somewhere, it was either there or Anaheim, uh, and, and, and he, he, he was preaching, 
out of Genesis chapter 26, and he was preaching uh, Isaac redigging the wells, and maybe he'll do that tonight. Uh, he pre preached on you know, Ezekiel 47 about dry, valley of dry bones and bones coming together and, and the water of God coming out of, out of, the, out of the temple. And, and, man, it was just, it, it was, I was going like, this dude's preaching my language, man. Come on, he, he, he's saying, he's in my lane. I, the more I heard him, I heard him, I told Kimberly, man, man, this, this guy, I like this guy. And, and then heard him again, heard him again, and, 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 and the second time, and then the third time was just this past fall at an ARC meeting, this associated, association of related churches that we're part of, their church planning network that, that Dave's a part of, Josh is a part of, Nick's a part of. Uh, and, uh, uh, man, I heard him there just, just a couple months ago, and I was like, man. So I went up to him afterward. I said, hey, I'm Gary from San Diego. You need to come to my church, right? <laughs> come on, right? That's what you do, right? You, come, on, you, come on, you ask and you seek and you knock. Come on, everybody. And so he said, let's go. And I said, well, no, just give me your number. Come on, I'm persistent. Give me your phone number. And so I sent him a text right then. I said, you know, I, I need to have you down here. And so that's how this all started. And, and I, I, you're just going to be in a treat for a treat tonight. Uh, many of you probably don't know him. You've read the book, a lot of you. And uh, so you've gotten a taste of his authorship. But he, he, he's way better in person. He's just a good guy. And he's just, he's just real. He's, he's phenomenal. they got a great church up in, uh, up in Vacaville, like a church of about 8,000. They're, they're multi-campus now, a multi-site. Uh, you know, he's got a couple of kids and four grandkids. So he's a dad. He's a granddad. He's a pastor. He's an author. He travels internationally. And he's just a good guy. He likes coffee. Come on, somebody. Everything, come on. Everything's good. Come on. Come on, Jesus is Lord. So come on, would you stand up and just welcome my new friend, Dave Patterson. Come on, let's welcome him tonight. Yeah. Praise God. All right, I trust you. Hey, before you're seated, can we just give Jesus a, an applause tonight? Come on, let's... Let's put Jesus at the center here. Come on, let's give him some praise tonight. We love you, Lord. This is all about you. This is all about you. S stay standing. I want to pray over our time in the Word. You can give me a little more throttle on this, if, if, and if it's coming from a monitor. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. You can crank it up. Crank it up. Crank praise it up. God. There you go. I want to pray over us, and uh, really, I want to thank you for coming out on a Friday night, and uh, these, these nights you're planning. I know Mark Francie, you're going to enjoy him, amazing communicator. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a principle in the Word that you can take something common, and when you set it aside, it becomes holy. It's this whole thought of consecration. So you can take your talent, your time, your energy. You can take a $100 bill that might be just, hey, it'd be nice to have one, but there it is. And you set it aside for the purpose of God, and it becomes holy unto the Lord. So you can take a common Friday night. You could have gone to the movie, out to dinner, sit home, Netflix, whatever you do. And you say, God, I'm going to give you this night. And it becomes holy, which means he moves in on it. It becomes a definition of holy. It's, it's other than. It's the other than-ness. And tonight is other than. And, uh, you know, I got a great church, and they, they make me preach a lot up there, and I enjoy it. So I'm, I'm not looking for a gig, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like your pastor. Uh, I know this now. Jesus loves me and Gary likes me. So that's cool. And so as, as I was praying for you all, uh, my heart, my passion tonight is in these moments we have together that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. That God has the unique capacity. The Holy Spirit is here. 
and he can come in and customize his word to fit every heart in the room. So I got some good word to preach. It's the Bible. It's truth. And I'm going to do my best to deliver it. I've also asked the Holy Spirit that his gifts would be in operation. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says to earnestly desire the gifts, to be hungry for the gifts. And uh, I feel that through your pursuit, so I'll preach, pray, prophesy. We'll just see where the Lord leads us. But uh, the Lord is going to bring a new level of the gifts of the Spirit uh, in the earth. They're coming, and they're available for you. They're, they're not available for the casual observer. They're not available for the critic, but they are available for the pursuer. And what God is going to do, and you know, I've been through uh, charismatic renewals, awakenings, Pentecostalism, charismania. Uh, I've seen some stuff in, in the earth, and I believe what God is going to do is, is just the weirdness and the religious trappings of the gifts are going to be peeled back. And God is going to show his authentic raw power in the earth through local churches. So I believe the gifts are going to flow tonight. And if you're hungry, we're going to pray for an impartation of that, all right? <laughs> Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Jesus, you're the head of your church. And this church belongs to you, and we are your children. And we've come tonight to feed from your word and to receive from your spirit. So, Lord, I pray you'd take control of all we do in these moments together. I pray you'd strengthen my mind and my body to preach and the hearts of your people to receive. God, do what only you can do. Let faith be strong. Let people lean into you. And we give you all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, turn and high-five one neighbor before you seated and tell them you look stunning. You look absolutely, you look stunning. I don't know what you did, but just keep doing it. So, hey, I want to I honor all those of you that have been in a pursuit after God. And uh, thank you for fasting and praying. You know, fasting, is, I believe, is, has been one of the lost weapons in the arsenal of the church. But something has been happening in the last decade or so through leaders like Jensen Franklin and Chris Hodges and other voices in the body of Christ that are calling the church back to fasting and prayer. It is a weapon of your warfare. It's a mighty weapon. And through fasting, some things get shifted. They get moved around. So I want to encourage you. And I have so many testimonies of, of going into seasons of fasting. And I'll give one really recent one. Well, about five years ago, on the 19th day of the fast, we had a major breakthrough for our, our church in a new location. I got a call from a major developer in California. And a few years previously, I tried, we tried to buy, and land's cheaper up north by us than it is down here, but many years ago, before the, the crunch hit, we tried to buy uh, eight acres for five million, and I was so excited, man. We had plans drawn up. We're rallying the church. We're finally getting to work crammed in the shopping center, and right as we were stepping into it, he sold it out from underneath us. The door slammed in our face, and I was very depressed. I wanted to quit ministry for a couple weeks, and anyway... <laughs> Fast forward through that pressure, we ended up launching a couple other campuses in Walnut Creek and Napa. God used what the enemy meant for evil, and he turned it for good. So fast forward a few years, we're on the 19th day of the fast after the economy is crunched. And this, this corporation, we get a phone call, and they need cash. And now he wants to sell us some land, but we need more land. The eight acres would have never worked. So we got 22 acres right in two freeways, uh, I-80 and 505. And so... We go to his office and we sit down and uh, we tell him how much land we need. And he says, uh, make me an offer. He goes, do you have cash? We're like, well, uh, yeah, we can close in 14 days. He says, make me an offer. So I'm with the business guy. We're kind of like, uh, three million? And he goes, we'll take it. <laughs> so we bought, we bought 
22 acres for three million. We were going to buy eight acres for five million. And the phone call came on the 19th day of a fast. Fast forward to last month, uh, our East Bay campus, one of our pastors, we had a building laid out. It was in a, a shopping complex. And it was going to be gorgeous. And we did the plans. And we did all the stuff. Same thing. Some of the other shops threatened to sue us. And so the owner got cold feet. He backs out. Door slammed in our face. Pastor Shane, our East Bay campus pastor, he's all depressed. And we had some prophetic voices come in and said, God, shut that door because he's got better coming. All right. So 19th day of the fast. We did our all church fast in November because the book came out. So we just were ahead of you guys. <laughs> It's all good. Nineteenth <laughs> day of the fast, right? A couple days before Thanksgiving, we get a phone call from a pastor in Concord, and he says, "I'd like to come up and meet with you guys." He comes to a Saturday night service, and it's a long story, a lot of a lot of miracles in it. But here's what happened on the nineteenth day: He comes up, sees us. I meet with him after church, and he gives us three and a half acres and a four and a half million dollar building. Gives it to us, Pastor. Just said, "Here, the Lord." I, I want to give this to the Father's house. And I'm just saying, when, when you're fasting yeah, and praying, yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going on behind yeah. the scenes, but it's bigger than you, yeah. right? Yeah. It's bigger than you. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I love the Lord. Oh, and I love my family. Do we have a picture? I don't know if the media got here. Is there, oh yeah, that's my yeah. tribe right there. My beautiful wife, Donna. Those are my two daughters, Sierra and Tasha, my son-in-laws. And, and I think there's one more picture of us in our natural habitat. That's a little more, yeah, okay. But I got four amazing grandkids. And I'll tell you what, I, I've been in ministry for a while now. And the best part of the journey is this, to do life with people you love. Take your family with you. Take your friends with you. So uh, it's a joy to be with you guys. And, and I want to talk to you uh, about your pursuit. And I believe the Lord will lead us into some areas to tap into. And about living a life of pursuit, not just 21 days, but a lifestyle of running after God and never quitting. And I find that one of the hardest things, one of the battles that you have in your pursuit is this, the ability to clearly see what you're going after. All right. So the pastor calls us to fast and pray and let's get together and let's go after God and get his best for our life. And you're like, well, what is that? And when you're running after something, but you don't have clarity that's where we need a fresh vision from him. The, Paul called it a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because it's hard to run after something you can't see. So I, I believe one of the reasons I'm here with you tonight is at the close of our time, I want to pray that a spirit of wisdom and revelation will fall upon all of us. In the, the eyes of our heart, we can see some things we haven't seen yet. You know, y'all been on a plane, right? And maybe you, you flew out of a place unlike San Diego that's always rainy and cold like Seattle. Uh, they have two nice days in August if you want to go. But um, Port Portland, uh, you know, maybe you're in one of those cities, right? And it's all wet and cold and dank and just, ugh. And you get on the plane and pretty soon, like a minute later, you're in a bank of clouds. You can't see three inches out the window. And it's disorienting. Thank God that the pilot is instrument rated and he, he's trusting some, some good stuff there. And then what happens about two, three minutes later, you break out. And when you break out, it's like, man, there's the sun. There's blue sky. Looks like San Diego. And there's, you're looking at the tops of the clouds and there's Mount Rainier over there poking through the clouds. Well, listen, that beauty was there the whole time. That sun, that mountain, that vision was there the whole time. You're just stuck in the clouds for a moment. Right. 
And in our journey with the Lord, we go through seasons where we hit a cloud bank. We're in the rain, we're in the fog, we're in the mess, and we're praying, we're seeking God, and we just don't know what's happening. But I'm telling you, when you pursue him, when you're determined to run after him and not look back, you're going to break through the cloud bank. You're going to have a fresh vision of what God has for your future. And he's got some good stuff. And you know, I love uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's an amazing verse. You guys know that. You could probably quote it. But the Lord said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They're, they're plans, of, uh, good plans of a hope and a future. And man, I want that. I believe God wants that for your life. He, he doesn't want to harm you. He's going to bless you. It's, it's a hope and a future. They're good plans. And that's a verse that gets quoted a lot in Christian camps, for sure. It's just a good one. You'll find it on coffee mugs, T-shirts, plaques at Grandma's house, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's my live verse right there. But my thesis, my, my big idea is this, that Jeremiah 29, 11 is inseparable from verse 12 and 13. And he, here's what that says. We'll go to the word, start jumping right here. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. God says, then you'll call on me and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Would you read the bold with me? Search for me with all your heart. And God says, you're, you're going to find me when you do this word, this search. It's a well-worn path. It, it means to create a well-worn path to the object of your seeking. You know this, Jesus said, hey, ask, receive, seek, you find, knock, door will be open. But does anybody ever ask and nothing happen? Right? Am I the only one? You, you seek and you're like, I haven't found it. And then you, and no one answers the door. Like, and you knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You're like, hello, hello, most holy one, Dave down here, Vacaville, 95688. But the... The original language, the Greek, extrapolates uh, better in the amplified version, and it says this, you got to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So this pursuit, this well-worn path, we got to go after God. And listen, it doesn't mean that God is reluctant. I mean, no, he's a good, good father. So it's not like God's crossing his arms in heaven going, you call that prayer? Pray a little harder. You call that fasting? Come on. Drop and give me 21 days, soldier. Come on. You know, that's not your heavenly father. Every good gift comes from him. But let me tell you what's happening. During the seek, during this well-worn path, during the pursuit, some things are happening in the heavenly realms that you can't see. Some things are happening in your heart and your flesh that you haven't identified yet. And God is working behind the scenes. Remember Daniel he uh, fasted 21 days, and thus our precedent, and uh, no breakthrough, and on the 21st day, the, the angel of the Lord, perhaps a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of God the Son shows up, and he says, Daniel, from the first day you humbled yourself and set your heart to seek me, your prayer was heard, and I was sent in response to your prayer, but there was warfare in the heavens for 21 days. I'm telling you, as soon as you humble yourself and set your face to seek God, prayers begin to be released from heaven. But there is some spiritual warfare, yes, even in our lovely county here in San Diego. There's some opposition. There's some demonic forces. And while you guys fast and pray and seek God, things are moving in the heavens. And also our desires get sorted out. 
Let me just check. Has anybody prayed some prayers? You asked God for something, and later on, you were just so happy he didn't answer. Anybody ever? Right? Anybody do that? Okay, I'll, I'll get real transparent. You saw my beautiful wife. She's talented. She's anointed. She's far more gracious than I. I'm married up. Good on me. All right. But before I met her, I was in love. I was in love with this lady. My life was still a train wreck, but I'm trying to find my way to God, and it was a different individual, and I thought she was the one, right? And one day she called me, and she dropped me like, like a hot rock. I mean, just dropped me. Can you imagine? I'm just teasing. What was she thinking? And I was so broken, and, and I'm, I didn't have a prayer life at the time, but how many know you can pray some desperation prayers when someone breaks your heart? I was like, why, God? You know, if you love me at all, give her back. And man, I'm just crying out, God, give her back, give her back. And she's probably living her best life somewhere. But how many know you just need to stop and thank God he didn't give you him or her or it or that? Anybody with me on that one? In other words, God loves you enough to not answer some prayers. He loves you enough to delay some prayers. He loves you enough to let you seek him so that your desires are purified. I'm telling you, there are things that are happening during the pursuit. Cultural influence is breaking off our life. Our desires are getting honed in on God. And so we just keep seeking him. But here's what I, I want you to know tonight, that when you seek him, you will, in fact, run into him. He says, if you search, if you seek, if you create this well-worn path, you will find me. And when you do, guess what comes with it? The good plan, the prosperity, the hope. I'm just saying you will never be disappointed in pouring a life into fasting and prayer and going after revival. you got to be willing to get your sights on something in your life that you will spend your life running after. Personally, I, I'm believing for a move of God in our state. I have been really since I've been a Christ follower, but really intensely for since we planted our church with eight people and God put a huge vision in our heart. Let me just encourage you in this. There's other pastors here tonight. I love that. The Holy Spirit moves around unity when leaders come together. And I've studied revival history for a while, and here's what I found. Whether it's uh, the, the Great Awakening or the Welsh Revival or Kansas City or Pentecostalism, the movement we now know, which started in 1904 in Los Angeles and Every move of God, or even random ones like the Hebrides Island Revival, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a remnant of people that were hungry for God, that were intense about God. We, we just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. And if you will be that kind of church, our church planners and pastors that are, that are here, if we'll be that kind of people that say, God, we're going to pray, we're going to seek your face. We've been hosting a prayer meeting now for 22 years called Pursuit. For 22 years, this prayer meeting's been going on, and we're as passionate and pumped up about what God's going to do right now than we were 22 years yeah. ago. Why? Because of the nature of God. Yeah. If you seek him, you're going to find him. If you search for him, you're going to run into him. If you knock and keep on knocking, it's going to open up. And faith gets stronger during the wait. I'm telling you, some of you are waiting on some promises. I just want to tell you, faith gets stronger as you wait. It doesn't diminish. I'm living kind of now, well, not quite there, but I, I think I'm looking at the back half of Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, right? You ever read that chapter and you have to pause in the middle? Here's how it plays out. It's talking about people who shut the mouths of lions and saw the dead raised back to life, and they did all these great exploits. It's called the Hall of Faith. And the right about verse 15, it says, and some were sawn in half. Like, stop, wait. 
they raised the dead, this guy got cut in half, and they had the same faith. And it goes on to tell us that great faith is not determined by the results you see here and now. Great faith hangs on to a promise in this life and, if necessary, in the life to come. And I've said, God, if the revival, if the thing in my spirit that I know you're going to do does not happen on my watch, and I believe it is. I believe we're at the front end of it in our church. But if it doesn't happen on my watch, I'm still going to seek you. I'm going to believe and let all those seeds of prayer, those eternal seeds of prayer, be spilled over on the next generation. Amen? And how many of you just would agree with me that I don't get sawn in half? All right. So I want to talk to you about, about your focus. Well, before I move, we're going to look at a song for a few minutes, and the band's going to come up. We'll pray and flow. But you know uh, this verse here in Proverbs. Let me back up. Bring this up. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Translation you're probably familiar with is where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. And that's why tonight we all need some fresh vision. You need a glimpse of what God wants to do with that business, with that marriage, with that relationship, with your ministry. In the next year, the next five years, if we can get a glimpse and, and, and we can get a prophetic revelation. You see, culture, life, pressure, trials, we start seeing life through our lens. We see it through hurt and betrayal and failure and shame, and it all gets foggy, and you see yourself through a lens that's not accurate. I'm just telling you, your father looks at you. Your heavenly father, he sees you far differently. He sees your capacity, your redeemed potential. Once we come to the cross, he doesn't see your brokenness, your shame, your, your failure, your sin, your reputation. You're not who, you know, your big brother said you were or your uncle or whoever else put you down and shamed you. That's not who you are. You are a son. You're a daughter of God. You have a high call. And when you start to see yourself through that lens, it changes everything. I need a glimpse of what he sees. Man, I was a disillusioned semi-retired worship pastor. I'd had it with ministry. I'd been through church splits, betrayal. My dad was a pastor who fell morally. Things went horribly wrong. I was depressed. I had a father wound. I was just up to my earlobes. And I was sitting in a field in my little convertible, a vacaville of all places. I get to travel around to some nations and states and conferences and such. And when I say, yeah, I'm from Vacaville, the next question is always, well, where's that? So I just say Napa Valley and I'm all good. It's got some class, you know. <laughs> some good Cabernet. <laughs> so I'm sitting in this convertible, disillusioned and discouraged, and I'm in a field that they were going to do a, a, a home development, and they shut it down in Vacaville. So there's these little cracked asphalt roads and weeds growing up, and I could see a freeway there, and there was a freeway there, and I just found this place one day to park and read and pray and wait on God. And while I'm sitting there, pouring my heart out, tears, telling him how I've been wounded and hurt, and what do you have in my future? I look up at a mountain range. It's the Berryessa mountain range. And God showed me something. I saw with open eyes. I've only had like two of these in my life. I saw water lapping across the top of the mountains. And it wasn't a fearful, like a flood. I knew exactly what it was. It was the glory of God. It was the flow of the Holy Spirit. So this happened and stunned me. And a couple days later, I was living in Walnut Creek, and I drove up to Vacaville, up to my mother-in-law's. And when I came around the corner, 
the Holy Spirit hit my heart, and I, I had another one of these. I mean, I'm driving, and God shows me the church that he's building. And we didn't even have a, a small group yet. I didn't have the eight people in the living room. I, I just had a, a desire to give my life fully to God. And God shows me a multitude of people, and they're in his presence. And, and I'm driving, I begin to see and sense and feel this. And, and there's songs being written, and there's artists going out, and missionaries being sent. And people are packing a freeway trying to get into a building to be with Jesus. And this happened. I, I went past my exit by about three miles, and I'm bawling and crying. Why? God gave me a glimpse of the future in order to press through in the moment that I was in. Now, let me rewind a little bit. You know that field I was sitting in? We, we Googled it up, and our sanctuary sits on it right now. It was 24 years ago that I was broken and crying and sitting in that field. And the best that I can zone it in, actually where I would park my car, is pretty much where our stage is. God knows your future. He sees you 10 years from now. He knows details. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Ephesians 3.20, you can't even begin to conceive the great things that he's done. It's immeasurably more than we can ask or think. Well, God, how do I sign up for the immeasurably more? Just get on that path, bro, and keep walking. And when you make a decision that I'm going to seek God until I'm going to get planted in a healthy local church, I'm going to bring him the first and best. Oh, yes, we believe in the tithe. I'm going to go after God with every. If they say fast, I'm getting skinny in Jesus' name. Here we go. And don't stop. Don't like do it for a week and go, oh, God, is there an answer? You know? Don't run after him for a month and then wait for Just fold your ears back, put your head down, run after God five years from now, and tell me how it's working out for you. <laughs> I'm just on a rant. I don't even know what I was saying, but it was good. Oh, yeah. But without a vision, listen, without a vision, you're going to throw off restraint. Without a God-given revelation of your future, you'll lose your intensity. I was a youth pastor in Huntington Beach uh, in the mid-'80s, so I've been around for some decades, right? So it was kind of a, a religious denomination. They had a lot of rules. And so all I did to young people every week, I'm talking to 13-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, youth and young adults. That was, my, that was my thing. And so I would tell them every week what not to do. Because that's the denomination I was brought out of. There was a lot of rules and regulations. So here's how I thought you pastored young people, high schoolers, junior hires. Don't. Don't drink that. Don't listen to that rock and roll. It was a big deal back then. Um, don't smoke that back before it was legal. Hello. Well, that's a new series we'll do next week. Pastor will do that one. And, and so every week... Don't smoke it, don't drink it, don't do it, don't go there, don't listen to that, don't touch him. Stop, stop it, stop it. Because the church I grew up in, I mean, the vision statement could have been just a big banner on the back wall that said, no. What's your vision? No. Nope. And here's what I realized, though. It doesn't work. Religious restraints and rules and guidelines and guardrails, people only want to jump over them because you're trying to keep them from something really good. Here's what I found, though. If you can get a 19-year-old to meet with the power of the Holy Spirit and get a God-given glimpse of his future and a revelation, see, vision becomes the harness for your life whereby God can extract the most out of frail humanity. 
And when you get a clear God-given vision, I'm telling you, you'll run. You'll fast. You'll push back the entertainment. You'll set down the Netflix or whatever you do. I'm not talking about stuff that's inherently evil. I'm not talking about sins. I'm talking about weights. A lot of believers, man, they're just carrying weights. Too much on our plate. Too many things I'm involved in. When the life of a disciple that changes the world is simple, it's simply this. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do whatever you say. It is real simple. But guys, tonight we need a vision. Let me give you a few minutes of a song here. So you know that your book in your Bible right in the middle there, the thick one, Psalms, uh, it is a book of songs, right? And the predominant author was David, uh, Shepherd Boy David, King David. But there were some other guys. And the song I want to take, take a look at, his name was Asaph, and he was the worship leader uh, at the Tabernacle of David. So he had a good gig, but like many of us, he lost focus. And I'm talking to some people in the room tonight that you love God, but your focus isn't clear. And that's what happened to Asaph. So I want to look at this song. It starts out really good. Now, this song is in three verses or three movements, and... Um, each movement has a predominant personal pronoun that I want to point out. There's a lot of P's there. And I want to show you what happens with focus. And so Asaph, he starts writing the first verse of the song. First line is, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure. Excuse me, to those whose hearts are pure. How many of that's a good opening line for your song? And I don't know what the group, I don't know what he had going, but truly God is good to Israel. To those whose hearts are pure. Yeah, I like it. Truly God is good to Israel. To those whose hearts are pure. Yeah, let's do it. Truly God is good to Israel. To those whose hearts are pure. All right, we're just making this stuff up. It's the first line. We can rewrite it. It's too slow. I can't dance to it. So he starts out well. But then look what happens. But as for me... I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Here's the worship leader, your worship pastor, going, I almost backslid right in the house of God. Now, here he goes. Here's our first movement, and you'll see it in the bold. For I envied the proud when I saw them prospering despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with a problem like everybody else. How many know that this guy is, he's singing the blues right now. He's like, Seem to live such painless lives. Their body is healthy and strong. Just sitting back and everything's going great for the wicked. But Lord, I'm fasting and praying and tithing and going to church. He was singing the blues. His focus was on other people. Let's read on. He says, they wear pride like a jeweled necklace, clothes themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. How many know this, what this guy is doing right now in our modern vernacular, in our culture? He is scrolling Instagram hardcore. He's watching everybody's vacations and everybody's hits. And like, I got a thousand likes. You got three, you know. That's what he's doing. 
He's binging on Twitter. He's watching E.T. and TMZ and a little bit too much Bachelorette. And his eyes are on everybody. Oh, man, I'm meddling now. It's a word of knowledge. Receive it. But his focus is on everybody else's prosperity. Listen, it's a trap for a believer. It's definitely a trap for a church planner. It's a trap for a minister. It's a trap for a marriage. When you start looking at somebody else's screenshots, you don't know the pain they're walking through. But something begins to happen. You start to question the faithfulness of God. So he starts thinking deluded thoughts. Look at this verse. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Wait a minute. This guy's a leader. He knows that God is omniscient and omnipresent and all the omnis. And he's like, does God even know what's up? Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Time out. Has anybody else ever felt like Asaph besides me? Right? It's like, God, I'm down here. I'm doing the stuff. I'm going to church. I'm tithing. That's rough. That's a stretch. I mean, I'm like, they told me to read this book and and not eat? <laughs> wow, that's weird, but I'm trying it, right? And I'm not kicking the dog. I'm trying to be nice at work. I'm not cussing people out on the 805. I mean, I'm doing this stuff this time. <laughs> then you look around, everybody else is getting hooked up. They got the job and the promotion and the girl and the good looks and all the money. And I'm telling you, when you focus on others, you begin to question the very faithfulness of God to you. And that's what was happening with Asaph. So the next movement of the song, then it gets insular. It begins to, we, we, we self-analyze, and it's, then it's all about me. And he says, I get nothing but trouble all day long. I mean, that's a pretty bad confession. <laughs> this guy gets to lead worship in the tabernacle of David in front of the Ark of the Covenant. There's 288 singers. There's 100 people in the band. There's prophets and psalmists, and he, he's got food to eat and income as a Levite. And, but yet his confession is, I get nothing but trouble. Every morning brings me pain. And I want you to see again the personal pronouns. If I had really spoken this way, I would have been a traitor. So I tried to understand the wicked, but it was a difficult task. Listen, when you get your focus on others and their stuff, the next thing, you're going to begin to question God and you start looking at what's not happening in my life. Why it's not coming together. These are the first two movements of the song, but here's the shift, and here's where I want to take you tonight. It says, but then I went into your sanctuary. <laughs> oh, God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Time out right here. Let me just tell you what he walked into. As you stand in the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem, and you look up at the east wall, and now the Dome of the Rock is there uh, but to the left would have been the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion. And so these psalmists, they would take a certain amount of steps and they would stop and they would sing one of the psalms of ascent. And they would all sing together. How lovely is your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My heart longs and even yearns for the courts of God. And they would take a few more steps and they would sing again. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I see. I may dwell in the, the Psalms of Ascent. Until they got up to the top of the mountain, they would pull back the drape of the tent. Remember, it's not a tabernacle like Moses or Solomon. It's a big open tent. And right in the middle of the tent is the Ark of the Covenant. 
this piece of furniture that had these gold cherubim with their wings folded back. And between the wings of the cherubim was something the Hebrew word Shekinah tries to describe. And Shekinah glory means this, such a concentration of God's presence and power that you could actually see it. He walks into a tent, and there is Yahweh, Jehovah, God Almighty, God the Holy Spirit in one place. See, book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, and now you are the dwelling place of that glory. But think about the Holy Spirit in one place, the concentrated power of God dwelt between the wings of the cherubim. So he walks in to the tabernacle of David. There's God, there's prophets, there's psalmists, there's worshipers, and something happened. His eyes open. I'm telling you, it's in the presence of God that life makes sense for you. Life doesn't make sense outside of his presence. Christianity doesn't make sense outside the filling and power of the Holy Spirit. You were designed for the presence of God. You're a Holy Spirit caring worshiper that will live for all eternity in the glory of God. This is your DNA. This is who you are. So you got to intentionally live in that atmosphere. And like a fish out of water, when we get outside the presence of God, we suffer because we were not created to live in this culture. You're in this world, but you're not of it. I'm telling you guys, we got to make a choice to climb the mountain of the Lord, to step into the tent and receive sanctuary light. Because here's what happens. When you get some sanctuary light, I'm talking about the presence of God, you're going to get some sanctuary sight. His eyes got healed. All of a sudden, this perspective and the blues that he was singing earlier. Look at this. I went into your sanctuary and finally understood. The personal pronoun begins to change. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over a cliff. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. And I realized my heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Now, here he goes. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. What happened to our worship leader? He stepped out of culture and stepped into the presence. He got in the middle of the sanctuary, and suddenly he could see the thing that was there all the time. And I'm telling you what we need and what we're going to pray for, and maybe the keys can come up, and we'll get the band up here, and we'll worship in a minute. But what we need tonight is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay. So Paul prays for the church, and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. And the Holy Spirit has to do it. I'm, it's nothing I got. It's him. But here's what I believe. I believe God has set me in the earth as a pastor and a leader of churches and, and pastors. And whatever authority, whatever, whatever I'm carrying, I'm going to pray the same prayer that Paul prayed. And I believe God's going to do it in your heart tonight. And here's what he prayed. He said, I keep asking that the God, the glorious God of our Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. In fact, here, let's bring this up. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Why did Paul say 
I keep asking. You know why? Because there's another cloud bank up ahead. There's another battle to be fought. There's another season that you don't understand. So Paul said, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep praying. This thing, whole thing of uh, revelation, the word means to lift a veil. It's like it's there the whole time. And then God comes and he lifts up the veil. Like when I was driving down I-80 and saw the church of the future. It's been there since the foundation of the world. God knew that we'd plant churches all over California and 8,000 will turn into whatever God's going to do in the next decade. It's bigger than I can think or ask. And it was in his heart the whole time. But I needed someone to come along and say, Dave, this depression you're fighting and all the wounds of your past and all your insecurity, let me just lift this up for you and take a peek at what I have for you in the future. Um, I definitely want to pray for our, our church planners here and our, our pastors. I want to just, Lord, put on my heart and pray for